Hey, what's going on? My name's Andy, and welcome to Water's Edge Church. We exist to love God and others in Christ. Uh, today is Sunday, December 12th, and we are continuing the series, Stating the Obvious, uh, Responding to the Prophet James, where we are looking at just the letter of James, or Jacob, as some say. And today we got to hear from uh, someone on our leadership team. Her name is Jen Vahala. She's an amazing member and leader in our church, and she shared, and unfortunately, her sermon did not get recorded. It was, uh, there was some audio issues in the chapel, so I just wanted to give a recap as well as attach the notes, her notes, which were amazing. She did such an amazing, thorough job, just a, just a wonderful work in terms of encapsulating the conversation of favoritism, favoritism, that the truth that you and I have preferences we like some people over others. Preferences are a part of life. But how we respond, how we include, how we love and show mercy to others, all others, despite our preferences, is a part of following Jesus. So she read James 2. It says this, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to that man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. But if you show favoritism, your sin, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you should not commit adulter, adultery also said you should not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has, been, who has not been merciful. I'll say it again. Judgment without mercy will not be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So again, I just want to give a, a somewhat of a just a cliff notes of Jen's sermon. She brilliantly acknowledged that we tend to like people over others, uh, and therefore exclude some for including others. That the base truth is that you and I have bias. You and I have bias. Um, she shared some great stories about some of her bias the ways that we have some micro-favoritism towards others, uh, her neighbors in particular, different friends in our lives. And she came to this conclusion that's rightfully so, is that love is not about liking. Though God likes all of us, love goes deeper. It's grittier. It's a choice. It's, it's, it's using our volition to move towards others. She quoted MLK um, in... in 
in one of his uh, letters, the Greek word for agape, the Greek word for love is agape. It's, it's more than a romantic love. Agape is more than friendship. Agape is understanding, creative, redemptive, goodwill to all people. It's an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. Theologians would say it's the love that, of God operating the human heart. So that one rises to love on this level, he loves humanity not because he or she likes them, not because their ways appeal to him, but because he loves every person because God loves every person. And this person rises to the point of loving that person who does an evil deed while hating the deed that person does. This is what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. MLK ended, I'm very happy he didn't say, God didn't say, like your enemies, because it is pretty difficult to like some people. Like is sentimental. So this is all rooted in where James takes us to loving our neighbor. And loving our neighbor means moving towards them. So we have to consider who is God calling us to move towards? And in what ways does it make us feel uncomfortable? It's helpful to have that awareness to be like, okay, I have resistance here. God, meet me in this resistance. In fact, one of the members of our church, he tells us that whenever we wince or when we go, or whenever we have resistance, use that as an opportunity to go to God and say, hey, God, is this about me? Is this that person? Is this about you? What would you have for me here? All opportunities, whether they seem something that we're drawn to or something that we're resistant to are an opportunity to take us to God, to identify what's going on. All opportunities are also an opportunity to practice empathy, that whoever's coming in the room, they need empathy. And Jen did an amazing job transitioning from James telling us to welcome all people to Jesus showing us what that means, to choose all people, even over one's nuclear family to moving to all people with empathy. If love is the path, empathy are the steps we take. Empathy is a sacrificial exploration of sacred others, and each person's a sacred other, in order to understand her, his, or their experience and feel what he, she, they feel. It's, it's not only just to feel what people feel, but it's to understand what they're going on and feel what they feel. Jen went on to help us understand that empathy is hard because it's messy and we may not like what we're feeling. We may not fully understand. We, we may not have complete compassion for every step that people have chosen to take. And this is why empathy must be coupled with mercy. Mercy takes empathy a step further. Mercy is necessary. Each person needs mercy, mercy that you need. I'll say it again if you're in your car listening to this. Each person needs mercy. You need mercy. I need it. Because people let us down. We will let others down. People will hurt us. We will hurt others. Mercy is an action. It can be hard, but there's so much freedom if we choose mercy. It frees us. It frees others. Each person in this room, each person in your life needs mercy because mercy creates space for our failings and weaknesses. The blind areas that God has not addressed, or at least not fully, that's what mercy addresses. And when someone enters an or orbit, giving mercy must almost certainly, it has to be, our lead out. As the passage suggests, empathy without mercy is like welcoming someone without giving them a seat. And each person needs a seat. And this is who God is. The God of the Bible is merciful. This is what his shalom means. It's wholeness. It's, it's caring, it's sharing, it's rejoicing, it's, 
It's providing a space for each and every person. So Jen did an amazing job. I'm, again, I'm encapsulating her sermon of showing the ways that we individually show favoritism or just explore the favoritism we have towards some and not towards others. The way that we exclude some and include others. And then she brought in Sherry Ann in this most wonderful way of kind of addressing some of the macro uh, favoritisms we have. Sherry Ann um, works uh, with immigrants and refugees. She does a lot of things. Um, she has a bit of a legal eye. She's a, a brilliant uh, leader as well in our church. And Sherry Ann shared about her work with um, some refugees coming out of Af- Afghanistan after the U.S. essentially evacuated Afghanistan and that any um, nationals there that were sympathetic or even helpers to uh, the Western allies were then becoming targeted by the Taliban in Afghanistan. She told this heart-wrenching story where a son got separated from her father, or from his father, rather, and how he ended up in the States and he didn't know any English. Here is this ethnic, religious other trying to find a place. And she used that story as an opportunity just to, just to help people practice self-awareness. Hey, what am I feeling as I hear the story? Am I feeling deep compassion for the sadness for a, a father being separated from his eight-year-old son never to see him? And they don't know if they've seen him. His father's staying behind in what is a uh, cruel and brutal area where he is targeted for torture and, and likely death. How do we feel about that? Do we, does that evoke mercy? Does it evoke like, oh, just that subtle nod of sadness? Does it evoke kind of indifference? Evoke a sense of like, where is Afghanistan even on the map? Evoke this idea of like, man, I'm glad that I don't have to go through that or that's sad, but that's over there. She used that as an exercise to help us understand not only our micro favoritisms, but some of our macro favoritisms. Um, so that we can begin a journey and begin a conversation with God of what does it mean for us to show mercy in empathy by your love? And that's what the next steps of the conversation were, is to just consider inviting in others that we typically don't invite into our lives. And that when we talk this week, to talk about the ways that maybe we felt on the outside, so that would evoke empathy, compassion, love, mercy, and ultimately to step forward in some of the missional frontiers we have as a church. We are heading down to Mexico to partner potentially with an orphanage at Door of Faith. We're also looking at other opportunities, house building trips. We, we do a lot here in terms of, we don't do a lot, but we're seeking to do God's work with uh, our aunties and uncles ministry, partnering with strong families. So yeah, what does God have for us? Again, I cannot encapsulate this message as well as Jen and Sharian did. I'm, I'm doing my best to honor their words, but I am grateful for their leadership. I'm grateful that they are welcome in our church. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just pray that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we would become people who welcome others. We would be guests welcoming other guests. We would be family, new adopted family welcoming all others. Sharian said it this way, if the gospel is good news, it's about celebrating who's in and not making a statement or not celebrating sadly who's out. Holy cow, Lord, we want to be people of good news, welcoming all people in so that you, God, can be the one 
to do the good work in our lives. Help us to be your vessels and trust the fact that you who began a good work in us are carrying it to completion. Amen.